Hello friends, I want to welcome you to our latest podcast talk. This is Pastor Marco. Listen, uh, we love to have you come hang out with us live. If you've never been, if you live in the area, we have two services, Saturday 6 p.m. and Sunday 10 a.m. And if you have kids, we have incredible children's ministry for all ages. And don't forget to check out our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. We believe this message is going to encourage you, but also challenge you in your walk with God. If you have your Bibles tonight, I want to talk to you about making the most out of this thing we call church. I think it's important once in a while to revisit why we do what we do. And that's what we've been doing the last few weeks in this new year is that God calls us to uh, establish a new normal in this place. And part of that is to reintroduce what church is all about. What is the purpose of church and, and, and how do you make the most out of it? So I want to encourage you tonight to open your Bibles in Psalm 122. I'm just going to read a verse to you, but you can certainly read the rest on your own. Um, but I love this one verse. Sometimes the Bible, all you need is one verse. You know, one verse will go a long way. You know, uh, can I just tell you this about the Bible? It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality of the time you spend in the Bible. You know, just one verse sometimes. Let that one verse just take shape and root in your heart. It's like, it's like who likes to drink tea here? Any tea drinkers in the house? Most of you. The rest of you get with the program. Um, the tea is amazing, but it's like, it's like when you grab that, that tea bag and you seep it in the water, you don't want to drink it right away. You want to let it sit, right? You want to let it marinate for a little bit, and that's how you're supposed to read the Bible. You just to sit with it. Just let it, let, it, let it speak to you. Let it permeate the entire cup, you know, which is you. You're the cup, right? Bible says, David says, my cup runneth over. Why? What is he saying? He's saying, man, it's, I'm filled. I'm filled with the word of God. I'm not even preaching yet. This is so good. Um, Psalm 122, verse 1, just one verse, the same David that I just talked about wrote this. He said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I don't know about you guys, but I am a homebody. I love home. Right? Like, I go out looking forward to coming back home. Like, that's the kind of guy that I am. Sometimes I even wonder why God will call me to ministry where I just want to be home. Right? I just want to be like, if I'm not doing ministry, if I'm not having meetings, if I'm not preaching, I want to be home. Please take me home. That's all I want to do. Right? But when we're done here, I can't wait to go home and watch my Warriors beat your Celtics. Like, I can't, I can't wait. Okay, I want to make sure I'm talking to the right people here. Try to make sure we're talking to the right people. I just love home. There's just nothing like going home. Can you witness to that? Like, there's nothing like going home. Like, 5 o'clock hits you like, I'm going home. You know, like, 5 o'clock, you're like, uh, I'm, I'm out. Right? I mean, you guys, you're already, like, packing stuff up, like, you know, 10 minutes before. Your boss is trying to give you that last thing, and you're like, no, I'm going home. You know, I'll be here tomorrow again, but I'm going home right now. Right? There's nothing like going home. And the first thing I do when I go home, I have to get comfortable. How many of you guys have your favorite sweatpants? Like, that's the first thing. I don't want to do anything else. Give me my sweatpants. I need to get comfortable 
before I do anything else. Like the food doesn't taste the same if you don't have your right sweats on. I don't love my kids the same if I don't have my sweats on. Like I, I just, give me my sweats first. Then we can have family time. Okay, because family time is going to be terrible without me having my sweat. You know anybody what I'm talking about? Like you're not, you're not holy until you have your sweatpants on. You know, I, I love, I love, 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 love home. You know, what's interesting in scriptures, you know, home is equated to God's house. He said, I was glad when it said to me, let's go into the house of the Lord. He didn't say, let's go to a building, right? He didn't say, let's go to church. He said, let's go to the house, right? There's nothing like being home. Like going to church should feel like going home. Unless you go into a terrible church, I'm sorry. But if you go into a healthy church, if you go into a good church, if you go into a church that is truly the house of God, it should feel like going home. I'm going home, going home. Tell deity to stop singing. The feeling of coming home is priceless. Write this down. Another word for church is the word home. It's the house of the Lord. In, in, when they wrote this psalm, there weren't many places that you call church. Matter of fact, there was only one place in Jerusalem. That's where they would go. And so for them, this was a pilgrimage. They didn't live close to Jerusalem, a lot of them. And so to go to Jerusalem sometimes would take days. Right? For them to get to Jerusalem for a special religious gathering or special feast that they would have going on. And so when he says, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go home. Like for him, it was like, man, we're getting ready to go on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And so what they would do along the way is they would sing songs about going into God's house. Matter of fact, what you just read was actually a song. It's a series of songs that they wrote over the years about just the anticipation of going into God's house. Right? For them, it was more than just going to get a religious thing out of the way. It was like, man, we get to go be together in God's house. It's like a family reunion. That's what church is supposed to be all about. It's like, man, we did our thing throughout the week, but then we're coming together as God's people to celebrate his presence in our midst. And there's nothing better than God's people together celebrating who God is and what he's good and how good he is and what he's done for us. That's the picture that you have here. They would travel sometimes for days with caravans of a lot of people. Matter of fact, when you read the story of Jesus being, being left in a temple, it's because he was a caravan. It wasn't because they were bad parents. They forgot God behind. How do you explain that? <laughs> right? No, it was that there was a lot of people. Sometimes hundreds would be in a caravan and, and they, they think they had everybody and they start to make their way back home and then they realize, where is Jesus? Like, how would you like to explain that to God? We lost God. God. It was because it was a caravan. They would go together. They would come to celebrate the presence of God. And so, and so listen, they had high expectations about going home. Just like I have zero expectations when I go home. And that's the high expectation. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. Right? I live in a world of expectations. So when I go home, the pressure is off. Are you catching what I'm trying to get at? 
We live through so much expectations all week long, and God is trying to say, how about we get together, take the pressure off, and relax, and allow me to just come and begin to download some fresh anointing and touch and power and, 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 and love and, and grace over your life. That's the whole point. And, 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 and so if you don't come expecting, you end up leaving with still stuff that you're supposed to leave behind. That's the whole point of going home is to get your guard down. The whole point of going home is to be able to be completely you. And sometimes I feel like that's the opposite of church. People go to be something that they're supposed to be or think you should be as opposed to actually be who God called you to be. It's a place to drop your guard and pick up the grace of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to really be who you are. Not a pretend, not a make-believe. Sometimes we go to church, it seems like there's more pressure on. Like today, I'm like, what the heck am I going to wear? Like, like, like some weekends, I wish I was a priest. <laughs> so I can just put a robe on and you have no clue what's under. Like, I would love to be a priest some weeks. That would be so much easier. Just put on a robe. Who cares what I have under, you know, and let's just do the will of God. Like, maybe that's God's will that I wear my PJs to church. I don't know. Someone actually said that. Why don't you just wear your bathrobe? Like, I could, man, but I'll be on, a, I'll be on YouTube tonight. And, uh, you know, the way this world is set up. But it's supposed to be a house, right? See, God is everywhere. God is with you on your Mondays. God is with you on your Tuesdays. God is with you on Wednesdays. Thursday, Thursday, he's right there. He's the living water, he said. Freaky Friday, he's right with you. Right there. Saturday morning, God is right there. Right? So it's not a matter of God is only in a place. No, it's a matter that a place that's been consecrated for his people, his family to come together to know him. That's the difference. Right? I say that because I, I don't want you to ever think that I go to church to find God. You don't have to go to church to find God because he's with you. Right? Churches enhances the reality of who God is. Why? Because there's a lot of people expecting him to be in that place together. Jesus said, when two or three are gathered in my name, I'm right there with you. So there's power in numbers, but it doesn't mean God is not with you when you're by yourself. It's important to understand that because if not, you will always think, like, I can't wait to go see God. No, I can't wait to continue the will of God in my life. I can't wait to continue with my brothers and my sisters in him. I can't wait to go and get a, 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 maybe a fresh revelation of him, a fresh touch from him. But it's a continuation of my life with him. It's not something that is detached from what I do every day. We have to be careful not to separate what people think is secular and what think is spiritual. There's no such thing in God's economy. Everything that you do is spiritual. That's right. Everything. Raising your kids is a very spiritual thing. Work with integrity is a very spiritual thing. Making a difference in someone's life is a very spiritual thing. So let's not separate Sunday from the rest of the week because that's not God's will for us. His will for us is to come together as one people, but to continue in the flow of his will throughout the week. Can you say amen? I want to make sure that we're not doing what a lot of people do. They think, okay, now I got to go back to real life. I don't know what that means. It's all real. If I understand who God is, everything about my life is in his will. 
Matter of fact, one of the things we have to get to the point of understanding about this presence of God is that a lot of times it's not that God shows up, it's that we become more aware of him. Because if God shows up, then where was he? Think about that. It's very important. Because life has its ups and downs, and we might think God abandoned me in certain moments. God never abandons us. We become more aware of him when we're paying attention. Something happens when you are intentional about something. You begin to see more coincidences. You begin to see more things happening when you're actually looking for those things to happen. So two people can go to a building. One person can see some things happen. One other person can just go to a building. It all depends on the perspective that you have in life. Two people can see a a happening. One person can see a miracle. The next person can just explain it away. But it does not mean the presence of God is not there. It's all a matter of perspective. God is in your mess right now. I hope you understand that. He doesn't show up after the mess because think about it. If he shows up after the mess, then who clean it up? <laughs> right? We think I got to get it all together. Then God will show up. It's like, wait, if you have to get it all together for God to show up, you never needed him in the first place. So God is always there. I want to make that point very clear. God is always there. He's there in the thick and thin. He, like, God is, is, is the one that came up with the vows of marriage. Don't forget that. God is the one, the first to say to you, like, like I made a vow to you through hell and high water. Come what may. Like, I've made a vow to be your God and to be for you. That's the first and greatest vow you will ever have. I had a crazy thought today as I was looking at myself in the mirror. I said, can you imagine if we embrace God's vow and then we set that vow back to ourselves? How different would it be if we say to ourselves, hey, we're in this together. Come hell or high water, this is who we are. We ain't nobody else, so, so we might as well embrace who we are and just walk the walk that God created us to walk and stop comparing and stop worrying about who's doing what. How about I just embrace who you created me to be? Because I, I, I'll tolerate my neighbor so much better if I know how to tolerate myself. <laughs> That's a message right there. Like, I don't have time to judge my neighbor because, man, I got a lot of stuff that I need to work through. Like, I can't be taking your stuff on myself. Like, I got to work on this little plank that's in my eye because it's, it's bugging me. I can't be taking off stuff of your eye because I got stuff in my eye that I need to work on. Am I preaching to anybody today? Hey, people that are focused on the people, you got a lot of time on your hand because you're a project. You want to tackle another project? That's why I tell the young people, I'm like, you're 15, you're trying to date. <laughs> you, if you go to the gym, you can't bench press 100 pounds. You're going to put on 200? That makes absolutely no sense because that's what a, a relationship is. You're adding weight. Hello, somebody. I don't know why I keep, always go back to relationships. I don't know, maybe it's God. I don't know. This is not even on my notes. I'm just supposed to talk about God, house, church. God is everywhere but there's nothing like a place that's set apart by the way the word set apart if you take a note it's the word holy something set apart for a specific thing is called holy we get holiness wrong we think holiness is perfection we think holiness is not doing anything wrong none of that stuff is holiness Can can I prove it to you some people May never drink, right? May never smoke, may never sleep around, but that doesn't mean they're holy. 
We equate outward stuff with holiness. Right? Don't cut your hair or cut your hair. Don't wear, you know, short sleeve. Wear long sleeve. Don't wear small short. Like, all that stuff is not holiness. That's just the outward appearance. But what's happening in the heart, that's the true holiness. Like, is my heart set apart for God? Do I understand that I have a connection with God that is stronger and greater than all this other stuff? And that's why I don't do these things. It's not that I don't want to do them. It's because I don't have to. Because I'm set apart. I'm distinct. I belong to God. There's a difference. There's a difference. That's why people are like, in your church, can people drink? I'm like, that's not up to me. The moment I take that on, I become a legalistic. It's not up to me to tell you to drink or not drink. That's a conviction of the heart. That's me being set apart saying that some things are not for me. But if I'm not comfortable in that, then what am I going to do? You should not. You know what God says about drinking. By the way, the worst way to fight an argument is with Bible verses. Because there's always a Bible verse that I can pick out of 1,400 verses that will back up my argument. And there's always another one that will go against my argument. (laughs) So if I'm a Republican, I know how to find my Republican verses. If I'm a Democrat, I know how to find them. I can prove it to you. Jesus is a capitalist and a socialist. It's in the Bible. One moment he says, give to the poor. The next moment he says, hey, those who don't do anything with it, take it and give it to someone who's doing something. That's capitalism and socialism all at the same time. (laughs) So you can't make Jesus a Democrat or a Republican. He's neither. Are you following? But the house, let me come back to my message. (laughs) The house. Please write this down. Church is a sacred time not a space not a place a time because God is everywhere it's just that we have a sacred moment that we're saying we're together as one we're going to seek him because you can have church on your own tomorrow morning you should continue this (laughs) on Monday you should continue this thing called the house of the Lord why because he said the greatest temple is in you hello somebody When Jesus died on the cross, what did he say? You know, the temple was ripped in half to make a point. It's not about a building anymore. It's about what's happening in you. It's about what's happening in you. That's what church happens. It's in your heart. It's in your spirit. It's a divine appointment with God and his people. It's a divine appointment with God and his people. See, I don't know about you guys. I forget that this is a middle school. Like, I have to remember, we're in a middle school. <laughs> like, I was here Friday talking to, I was, at the, I was at the office, and I came to the office, and it dawned on me, wait, I'm not going to church. <laughs> I, I had to meet with the custodians, and, and I, it's almost like I'm going to church. Until I walked in and go, wait, there's an office, there's a principal, <laughs> there's students walking around, this ain't my church. Right? It's not the building it's what's happening within the building. We can have this thing in a club. And a club can be turned around into a sacred place if the presence of God is there. T- we can have it anywhere. Now, some of y'all were selected here and were like, oh, so. <laughs> some of y'all are like, oh, I know what I'm doing after this. God, we're going. <laughs> 
So yeah, that's all you're going to hear tonight. Yo, pastor said, we could be in a church, yo. <laughs> Don't you be twisting my words. This place is anointed and set apart. So listen, let me make this practical tonight. How do we make the most out of this thing called church? I want to give you some practical things. This is how we make the most out of this thing. Because unfortunately, some people will go to a building, but don't get anything out of it. Because they went to a building. Or because they did the religious thing. It's like, oh, it's weekend. I got to go. Right? That's not God's will for us. So let me make this clear for you. Right? It's about taking, when you have a home, you take ownership. If it's your house, you own it. Right? No one is coming to pay your bills. No one's coming to mow your lawn. No one is coming to tell you when you need to replace your light bulbs. Like, that's your responsibility. Like, I'm, I'm not handy at all. And I own a house. I've been forced to be handy. Because I have ownership of the house. Are you getting this? Right? Because it doesn't matter what excuses I make, it's still going to be my house. No one helps me. Well, it's my house. <laughs> no one cares. My mo- you see my grass? <laughs> no, it's my house. It's my ownership. Are you following? And so the first most important thing we need to do to, take, to make the most out of church is we have to prepare our heart in advance for it. Most people will not get it because they don't prepare their hearts for it. I don't know about you, but if your job is having a meeting, you're supposed to be ready for it. There's nothing worse to be caught off guard. You ever done that? Your boss calling you and you start making things up? (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, the way that report was going to go. And your boss like, did you even do the report? Well, you know, I was in the flow of doing it. I thought about doing it. That's not going to go well. Preparation is important. Preparation says I'm expecting something. So, so in other words, I was glad when it said unto me, let us go. That was preparation. They haven't been there yet. He was already preparing his heart, his mind, his soul, his spirit to go into this place and to receive the fullness of what's in that place. Because if I'm not prepared, then I don't expect anything. If I don't expect anything, then, then why am I complaining? They say those who prepare don't fail and those who don't. F- but how does that saying go? I completely lost for you. I wasn't prepared. There you have it. Prepare to fail. Hashtag fail big time. But I prepared my heart in advance for this. I did prepare this message, though. I really did. But you got to be prepared. In other words, listen. Do you tell yourself, I'm going to church? But I don't mean just vocally, but do you say to yourself in your heart, I'm going to the presence of God? Do you actually have a game plan for church? Here's what, what, what blows my mind for you guys that love football. The amount of preparation that goes into one game is unreal. Did you guys watch Brady's latest Facebook video? Go see it. 
the preparation that this guy goes through to play the game of football is, is, is incredible. It blows my mind. I'm a huge fan of people who take their craft that serious. Whether you're a Patriots fan or not, he's the best quarterback of all time. That's just a fact. If you're not clapping, you're just hating, but it's a fact. Right? It's just the reality, right? But the preparation is what's incredible to me. I'm fascinated by that. And actually, the, the video, I love it because they call it the religion of sports. That man is that dedicated, committed to his craft. If that's so with the game of football, how much more? With the game of life. Right? How much more should I be prepared to enter the presence of God? Right? Do I prepare myself that I'm going into God's house? Because usually what happens is it's an afterthought. Right? And what happens is I don't end up getting the fullness of what's happening because my heart was never prepared to receive. Usually those who prepare themselves walk away with a, with a greatest understanding of why they were there in the first place. In other words, I don't know about you, but you look at the Patriots. They don't win by accident. They don't win by mistake. They win because they prepare to win. Right? We need to have that kind of mindset when it comes to the things of God. Like, I need to prepare myself to receive everything that God has for me. Like, I can't be taking things for granted. Listen, I'm not the Holy Spirit, but I am a spirit. And I need to prepare myself for the Holy Spirit to come and have his way in my life. Like, there's got to be some preparation. Like, it can't be. And, I, and again, I'm not talking to you if you're a new person. You're new. I'm talking to those who have been in this game for a little while. That we need to have some preparation to come into this thing. When you're prepared, you will receive more. When you're prepared, you will see more. And God will trust you with more. Jesus said, if you're faithful in the little, then I want to add to it. So if we're not, if we're not taking ownership of the time that I'm going to go spend with him, then guess what? He's not going to spend his currency on anyone who's not willing to put some work to see his will being done in his life. That's the reality. So the first thing I need to do is prepare my heart in advance. Like, do I tell myself, this is church day. What's your routine? You look at these football players. They all have crazy weird routines. What they eat, what they don't eat, what they wear, what they don't wear, what they watch, what they don't watch. Like, I don't know about you, but do you prepare yourself that way? Like, for example, do you go to bed early because tomorrow, man, I need to meet with Jesus and I need to be on my best. Think about it. If I'm going to go meet with a human being because they have some kind of meaning in my life, I want to bring my best to it. How much more when I'm meeting with the God of the universe? Right? Like I can't be going to bed at 2, 3 in the morning if I want to be at my best to bring my best worship to God. Right? I can't be watching things that God doesn't edify and, and, and think that the enemy is not going to use that to flash it on my mind and heart right before I try to worship God to tell me who I used to be as opposed to saying who I am. This is the things we need to start understanding that there's a process. Football players watch a lot of game film. We should be watching a lot of faith stuff so that when we come, we're already filled with faith. We should be listening to music that's actually building our souls and edifying our spirits, not music that's bringing us down and, and, and bringing all kinds of spirits. That's not God's will. Behind every song, there's a message. Behind every song, there's a spirit. And if I really want the will of God, then I should do what the football players do. They have a soundtrack to go with their preparation. 
We should be prepared. Like the worship team is not meant to be a cheerleading team. The worship team is meant to be a team that is worshiping with you and me. Like it's not up to them to make you worship. You ought to bring something to the table when it comes to worship time, when it comes to preaching time. Like, it's not up to me to babysit you. Like, if you want the word, you should be ready to receive the word. You should have a heart ready who wants the will of God. So I got to learn to prepare my heart in advance. Because usually, if it's something I'm looking forward to, man, the, 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 the clothes is laid out. The kids, you know, because what happens, you know, you know, you're coming in kicking the kids. Come on, let's go. You got to go to church. Now you're angry in service. It's going to take you 10 minutes to unwind. And that's half the service. The first song is a wash because you're angry. Come on, talk to me. You got to prepare in advance. Number two, I got to bring my best into this thing. Here's what the Bible says about true worship. Worship is not music. Watch this, right? Here's what the Bible says. Worship, listen. He said, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living, is that word, holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So you don't, you don't worship God because you sang some songs. In other words, remember, Jesus said it, you can worship with your lips, but your heart can be far. You ever been in church? You're singing the song, but you're thinking about pizza. (laughs) Come on, let's be real for a moment. Like you could be singing things, but your heart could be thinking about something else. Like isn't that how relationships die? Hello. Come on now. And we say things like we grew out of love. You don't grow out of love. You're not intentional about it. You never grow out of love. You have to be intentional. He says you got you to make yourself a living sacrifice. Like I'm intentionally putting myself in the will of God. Like I'm intentionally seeking God. I'm intentionally going after him. I'm intentionally going after his will and his purpose. It's not just going to fall on my lap. God says like I tagged you. Now you come and get me. I'm coming after you. Come. God will play tag with you to see how serious you are. Sometimes people are like, God's far. He's not far. He's saying like, come see me. Show me how bad you want me. God plays hard to get. Because he doesn't want you to take him for granted. Just like you take relationships for granted. Right? He says, this is truly the way to worship him. When you don't feel like worshiping, that's the time to press into your will and say, God, I know who you are and I'm here to worship you. Because God is not a feeling. That's where we get it wrong. About, ah, I don't know where God is today. I don't know. He must be an NK bird. I don't know. He's <laughs> busy over there today. No, truly the way to worship him is by presenting yourself to him. Feelings or not, God, I'm yours. I got to give my best to you. I don't know about you. I don't want to give a secular company my best and not the God of the universe. That's my conviction. There's no thing on this earth that's going to give my best more than God. So sometimes there are things that I want to do, I don't do because I know I need to be at my best tomorrow. You know, you go out, do all this stuff, but it's like, no, no. 
I have an appointment with God. I need to be at my best when I come into his presence because this is the God of the universe we're talking about. Like I want to give him everything I have because I know when I do that, he usually shows up. Even though he didn't go anywhere. I just became more aware of him. Number three, how about I learn to do what the psalmist says and bring others into this fold. Notice he said, let us go. Let us go into the house of the Lord. Us. See, when you have the heart of God, you have a heart for others. It's never just about me, myself, and I anymore. It's always about who else should be getting this. I was thinking about this this week, right? When there's a great game on TV, there's nothing like watching a good game with somebody else. Like, I got kids, so I get to watch a lot of games by myself because five kids, where am I going to (laughs) go? So sometimes I'm in my living room going, yo, that was imaginary friends. Like, (laughs) so what do you do? You go on Facebook, yo! Touchdown! All caps! Is anybody out there? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? No? No? Okay. I'm on my own. Life is better with others. Right? And this thing is too good to keep it to myself. Can I tell you something? Most people are thinking about this stuff. Even the ones that says I'm not religious. They're not religious because they don't, want, they don't have a relationship with God. They want a relationship. They don't want just a boring, same old, go, you know, kneel, sit down, do the thing. Don't do the thing. When do we do the thing? Because um, I'm watching that row, like, when do we do it? You know what I'm talking <laughs> No, I think people want something real. Right? And so he says, let us. There was an excitement about us. Right? When the weekend comes around, I pray you have the heart of God to say, God, who do you put in my heart this week? I believe this, man. It happens all the time. I'll be chilling, and I hear the Spirit say, just text this person. And they'd be like, man, how did you know? It's like, I don't know. Just trying to listen. That's why a lot of you guys were like, you were speaking right to me. I don't know you, though. But he does. He knows exactly what you need. Right? If he knows what you need, he knows what your neighbor needs too. And sometimes we're keeping this thing to ourselves. Come on, it's not fair. We should tell one more person. Come on. Come on. Does your friend know you're here tonight? I don't know, raise your hand. Just saying. Is that, or is that a secret? I got to go do this thing. I hope they know you're here. And I hope they know they, they're welcome to come with you. People are most likely to go to a place if they're invited. I don't know about you. I told you I love home. That means if I'm not invited, oh, more the reasons not to. Matter of fact, if, if you invite me, I'm still struggling. Is that too real? I'm just being real. This church is big. A thousand people. You know how many birthday parties that is? So I tell people all the time, don't, don't expect me to come. But I do love you. People are most likely to go to a place when they're invited. Matter of fact, they did a research on church. They said 84% of people said, if someone invited me, I would probably go. 84%. But the problem is they say only 2% of Christians are inviting people to church. 2%. 
You know how many Christians there are in America? Well, quote unquote, you know, millions. They say only 2% actually tell someone, hey, this is a great thing happening. We'd love for you to be a part of this. Come on, we got to break the cycle. It's a good thing to say, hey, let us. Notice though the verse, let us go into the house. I was glad. In other words, the invitation, the way it's presented, usually will put a taste in someone's mouth. He was glad. Yo, let us. Because think about it. Presentation is important. I could come here and do this. You know, the house of the Lord. It's a great thing. It's a good, it's it's an amazing thing, you know. We, we should prepare our hearts. We should bring our best to the Lord, you know. Just going to take a moment here with the Lord. You've seen that? Presentation is important. Right? If I go to you and be like, Tori, this weekend, you know, we got this thing going on, but you don't have to come. I mean, I, I'm just saying, like, I mean, if, maybe, perchance, perhaps, you're not, you don't have, I mean, I mean, don't feel obligated, because it's not that amazing. But maybe, you know, maybe, 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 you know, if you're not busy, maybe you want to come. I mean, you know, she ain't going nowhere. No, right? I was glad. Glad means I'm passionate about it. Like, Tori, listen to me. You, you, you want to see your life change? You want to see something better? I mean, you need to come with me. I, I don't know how to explain all of it. I just know this. That place is electric. Something happens when we get together. Let us go into the house of the Lord. I got to go. Number four, take notes. Take notes. This is life, people. We only got one. Take notes. Brady's talking about all the notes he takes. He was showing notes from 2012. Excited too. He's like, yo, let me pull out my binders. (laughs) This is football. That's the dedication of someone who wants to win. Church, that should be us. Let me pull out the binder. When I was in church in 2012 and watched what the Lord revealed to me in 2012 and how we came to pass. And I'm still living in the fullness of his promises and his will and his purpose. Don't you think this is just notes that was passed down from us? It's notes from centuries ago. And we're still reading. Because they were like, this is important. We should write this stuff down. And go home and wrestle with it and say, God, how do I put this into my life? Because Brady is not studying just to be smart. He's wicked smart. (laughs) He's studying to win. Those who take the word seriously are studying to win in the game called life. Like you win when you study the word, when you take it in, into your heart, into your spirit, and you put it into your marriages, and you put it into your children, and you put it into your business, and you put it into your friendships, you put it into your community, then you begin to see the fruits of the Lord. It is for real, it's powerful. It changes lives. It can't just be we got together and we got excited, we went home, we're like, wait, what was he talking about? No, it's like time to go home and digest this thing and figure out how does that apply to me, God? Because he's so unique. 
Right now, he's downloading stuff uniquely to you. Sometimes people tell me, you were talking right to me when you said. And sometimes they'll say stuff I never said. Those are the best messages. When you said hell, man, that was, I'm like, I didn't even touch hell tonight. But that's the Holy Spirit. He knows how to customize the word. When I got saved, I couldn't tell you a thing the preacher said. But when the Holy Spirit hit home, that was it. And then after that, though, he's like, now you take responsibility. And start taking ownership of what I'm saying. Let me give you one example. Watch this. Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Lead me and teach me. We should never stop learning. Matter of fact, the word disciple means student. I'm a student of life when I'm walking with Jesus. Jesus Thought on the go. If you read the scriptures, he barely had class because the whole life is a class. He would walk around and say, yeah, you see this farmers over here? Let me teach you a lesson. You see fishing over there? Like he would teach on the go. Like in other words, if you're walking with him every day, like I said, he's teaching you on the go. The greatest app that I have in this thing is the app called Notes. I can show you right now. Stuff that I write down every day, every single day. Things that I feel the Lord is speaking to me. And I have to to stop. And and sometimes I have to pull over. Oh, man, this is amazing. He teaches you on the go. He's the teacher of life. And so once a week is like, now let's get the game plan together. So you can go home and digest this thing. You should have a church notebook. You should have your Holy Spirit notebook. My, I have my son. He's starting to write stuff. I'm like, keep that notebook. Don't rip it out. Just keep everything in there. Watch how it builds up. You begin to write things down. Revelations. We just had an incredible two weeks of prayer. So many of you said, man, we got, got revelation. Write that stuff down. So you can look back six months from now and see how that thing has come to pass. Or if you lose track, you can go back and say, wait a minute. I need to go back to what God said. I got to go number five, learn to get the most out of church by serving on a team. Look at what the psalmist says about serving. Watch this, Psalm 84. He says, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. My goodness, that's conviction. What an incredible conviction. I would rather serve as a gatekeeper they to be known anywhere else. That's someone who understands the power of God's house. It's not something that I go to. It's what I belong. No one's going to do the chores if I don't do them. Like we like to say around here, if not you, then who? Everybody's looking for someone. Announcements is made about serving. People are like, oh, someone will get that. But I think every week the Holy Spirit is saying, what about you? When are you going to be the gatekeeper? When are you going to be the one to say, listen, Lord, you can count me in. You can use me. You can have your way in me. Because when I'm serving, I'm closer to you because you are a God who loves to serve. And when I'm serving, I'm becoming more image and likeness of who you are. Because Jesus was the CEO of heaven. He decided to become the janitor to serve humanity. 
If I'm a follower of Jesus, then there's got to be something that resonates that in my spirit. Can you say amen? Two more. Number six, learn to connect with others. Make the most out of this thing called church. The Bible says this. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Harmony is powerful. Why do we have cafe? It's to hopefully create a place for people to develop relationships. That's the point. Why do churches die? Because people don't develop relationships. The saddest thing about church is clicks. Now, in a church of a thousand, we don't expect you all to be best friends. But man, how about every week I try to expand my horizon by going to the cafe and say, God, who can I connect with today? How can I expand my influence? How can I expand my network? How can I have a better understanding of people if I just say hello? It's not that hard. People think that I am this extrovert because I'm up here doing all this. Listen, it takes work for me to meet people. This comes naturally because of this Holy Spirit. But, but meeting people, that's the extra effort. But people are the greatest investment in life. It's the greatest thing. It blew my mind this week as I reflected on this, that Jesus invested in Peter and Judas the same way. The same exact way. Everywhere Peter was, Judas was. There was never a time when you saw Jesus exempting Judas from where Peter was. Matter of fact, when Judas came to betray him, he said, friend. That tells you how much he values people. And I believe that's what broke Judas. It was the fact that he called him friend that broke him to say, man, he called me a friend and I'm over here backstabbing him. I believe that's what gave him the remorse after that. But why am I saying this? I'm saying this because in life, the greatest investment you will ever make is in other people. Matter of fact, none of us will be here right now if someone didn't invest in us. We're all a product of someone else's investment. How about we begin to pay that forward? Because the more I invest in someone, it comes back to me. And so what about today, starting tonight, instead of just like, okay, I got what I want and I'm out. How about I stick around and go a little bit deeper? How about I go to the cafe and say, you don't need to do, listen, God gave me this idea a long time ago when I was a youth pastor. I used to try to go and meet all the kids and we had hundreds of kids. And God's like, man, you're trying to be a politician. (laughs) How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? You know, where's the baby? Kiss the baby. He's like, I didn't call you to be a politician. He says, how about you narrow, narrow down to one person? Yeah. Sit with someone and really talk with them. Because all I want you is, to, is just one. Because, because if everybody reaches one, then no one is left out. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's the beauty of church. I believe this. If we're really going to be the church that I believe God has called us to be, it's got to take people who really are into other people. Like, if the, the kind of church that I picture is a church where everybody feels welcome because there's someone who's reaching out. It doesn't take everybody. It just takes one person to reach out and say, how are you doing? How'd you hear about the church? What's going on? Next thing you know, you're breaking the ice. A few weeks go by. Now they're in your house having a meal with you. When was the last time someone had a meal with you outside of your clique? 
Jesus would go around and be like, I'm coming to your house tonight. Do you know what that was for a Jewish person? That was him saying, I want to be your friend. If you have a Jewish friend and they tell you, let's grab coffee, you're not that cool yet. (laughs) But if they say, let's have a meal, because a meal meant we are going to sit and break bread together. What is the symbol of communion? It's breaking bread together. He's saying, you are my friends. I'm giving my life for you. And and I'm going to show you this by breaking this bread as a symbol of my body. I'm going to give you this wine as a symbol of my blood. He's saying like, listen, we're not in this thing just for a religious thing. We're in this thing to be a community. That's a community. That would be cool to see that we don't have to put together, you know, every single thing in the church. That organically people are making their way to other people to say, man, how about we hang out this week? I'd like to get to know you a little bit more. That's my conviction. Every week I'm like, God, who do you want me to sit with this week? I don't have to sit with a thousand people, but can I sit with one? Because when I read Jesus' story, man, he valued every single person. It's amazing to me. He didn't go everywhere. He didn't touch everyone. He just had a few that he's like, I'm going to do this. If I invest in those, they can invest in others. Are you tracking with me? And the last thing tonight is, listen, learn that most, the most powerful time sometimes is the altar time. The Bible says this about the altar. It says, there I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. There's a misconception about the altar. I grew up in a church where when I was a kid, You go to the altar if you did something really bad. You are a sinner. But when I read scriptures, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. I see people wanting to get closer to God. And so I don't go to the altar because I did something really bad or because things are really horrible. Those things are okay. But sometimes I come to the altar because I want to be closer to him. Sometimes when service is over, I'll just sit here and take it all in. Because I'm like, God, we only get to do this once a week. Well, twice for me. I don't know about you. But I need to take this all in. I believe this church. I know I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time. But because we're in a rush, we don't see the fullness of God's will. Most people miss God because they're in a rush to go nowhere. And I believe that's one of the greatest. Hey, listen to me now. The greatest weapon of the enemy is rush. Everything rush doesn't go anywhere. Rush relationships, rush parenting, rush investments, and rush churches don't lead to nothing. Deep people sit and wait. Right? You don't, I don't care how much you want to rush an oak tree, you're not going to get an oak tree. What does the Bible say? Psalmist 1 says, blessed is the one who sits by the river. His his, his roots are deep because he waits there. Some of the most powerful times I'm telling your church is when you just come in and say, God, I'm just going to wait on you. You begin to feel him, feel your presence and take things off of you instead of taking it back with you. Some people will come with stuff and go back with them instead of exchanging it. Exchanging. Listen, our society is a rush society, microwave society. But notice, we're not any better. Have you paid attention lately? Our society is not getting any better. We rush to judge people. We rush to condemn people. We rush to do this. We rush to get out of a place that, 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 that sometimes we need to stake it out. We rush to get out of relationships when we need to work it out. We rush to, 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 to try to get our kids to grow up when we haven't grown up ourselves. Like we rush 
and we don't see anything. God is never in a rush. Every this whole thing, I've never seen God in a rush. In the fullness of time, he's saying, Jesus, like, he's like, when I'm ready, I will. <laughs> the guy that did our inspector in the house, was, I love the guy, because he was taking his time. I mean, how long, how, I don't know if you remember, how, was, how long was the inspection? Like 10 hours or something like that? The guy was like, and then the cool thing is, every time we came around and someone would say something to him, he goes, the more you rush me, the slower I go. <laughs> I'm like, that's the guy I want to inspect my house. Right? That's what we need to sit and be and let him download stuff. Amen. Bible says, be still and know that he is God. It takes time to grow something healthy and right. We've been here for four years. You know, what I, you know, I told the leaders, I said, don't look up for five years. In five years, we'll know if we did anything right. It's easy to start something quick. That's why some people couldn't, couldn't stick around because all they saw was the beginning. They didn't have a vision for where we were going. Right? And we're not there yet. I believe the vision is much bigger than this. But if we can stay put and let the Lord build us and let the Lord guide us and let the Lord take care of us and not rush anything and not try to make things happen and just be and just wait and just trust and just believe, I believe the consequences will be so good for our marriages, for our children. Can you imagine if some of those families four years ago would just stay put and see their kids grow up in the house of the Lord and develop other good relationships with each other and have other friends that are actually walking with Jesus as opposed to be in a rush. We got to get out of here. We got to go and go nowhere. How about if marriages would come and hold each other's hand here and say, come hell or high water. We're going to trust God. We're going to believe God to heal our marriage, to heal our frustrations. Yes, we've been hurt. Yes, we've been disappointed. But God is faithful to heal us, to restore us, to take away all the junk. That's the beauty of this thing called the altar. It's not magical. It's just me sitting and waiting on the Lord. You guys can come up. Let's pray together. Would you stand with me? There I will go to the altar of God, the source of all my joy. My wife said something last week that's been sitting with me. She's a much better preacher than I am. But she said, we don't want to grow just wide. We want to grow deep. And I thought, man, what a, what a great word. Let's grow deep. Let's grow deep. Let's grow deep. Let's have deep roots. Let's be people who are unmoved. We will bend, but we won't move. There's a difference. The weight of life sometimes will make you bend. But you don't have to move. Your marriages could bend, but you don't have to move. Your kids will test you, to, but you don't have to move. Your business may be, but you don't have to move. I believe that's the kind of people we're meant to be. Deep roots. So deep that we're not easily offended. We're not easily persuaded to follow the latest trend. Because we're rooted deep in the things of God. Would you lift your hands to the Lord? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit. I want to thank you for listening today. And I want to encourage you to share this with someone who needs to hear about the love of God. And uh, hope to see you soon.